Ich bin gut, was ich dich. Das ist gut. Alrighty. It is an honor to be here with you tonight and to share a subject that has become, become very passionate in my life and in my heart. And so before we go into the word and into this subject, let's just bow our heads for prayer, shall we? Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you this evening. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness to us today as we went through the day and as we about our different duties and now we're gathered here we just ask that your your blessing your presence would rest upon us just ask that your holy spirit would come and minister to our hearts and lives just be with me as i deliver this word dear father that you would just give me clarity and that your will could be accomplished in my heart and life and, and those of us gathered here in jesus name amen subject of honor is something that as I spoke as I said earlier has become very close to my heart as, as I study this still still teaching about it still haven't come to the end of it but I've been preaching and teaching this subject at church the last number of Sundays that I have preached as we look at the, su the, the subject of honor there was this man that went into the Library of Congress and requested from the from the young lad at the front desk said I'd like to have all the books of honor and the young lad got on his computer a little bit and, and looked and said there's one book here for you and the gentleman got a little yeah you don't know what you're doing type of attitude went to the higher-ups and said I'd like to have all books that have been written on honor this gentleman did the, the older gentleman did the same thing came back with one book he said I'll give you one book that's all we have drove this man to studying the subject of honor and what honor means and what it how it should look in our hearts and lives as believers when we study the Word of God I'm not sure what are you how are you read it but when I when I look at the Word of God and how it's written it was written for us as believers the apostles and those that wrote the Bible had the church in mind and so everything that was written was for us as a church to give us admonition to give us instructions to give us uh, a roadmap a guidance for us as we go from day to day the subject of honor is a, is a command this word we, we read it throughout the scripture it says honor all men fear God honor the king uh, and, and it's a couple of different scriptures, and we, if we have time, we'll look at all, uh, some of these. I don't think we'll get through to near all of it because of the depth of it. So the first thing I'd like to do this evening is to look at the definition of honor. I'm going to act like this is the home congregation, so I open it up for comments, questions. If I don't know the answers, I'll say I don't know, and it's something we'll figure out and get back to you, okay? Uh, but, but if I ask a question and you have something to say, don't be afraid to raise your hand or just speak it out. And so my question this, this evening is this, do we know the definition of honor? When I say the, the word honor, what comes to your mind? That's okay. 
Okay. So those are things. Those are things that we honor. Okay. So the flag. Respect. Honor our father and mother. We're not going to get there tonight, but I would love to. And that is so far down. It, it's, it's all important, but it's, it's just the verse. Okay, the honor your father and the mother. Was there some, someone else that has sp- started speaking? Okay. <laughs> respect and honor do run together, but honor and respect are two different things. Let me make that very clear is how I believe, and I'm open for correction and, and open for discussion. Honor is a command in the Bible. It says, honor all men. You have, we, have no, we have no choice. It says, honor all men. Respect is something that's earned. And so as I think of honoring someone, it's a command. I honor you. Why? Because we're all made in the image and after his likeness. We're all humans. We all have souls. We all have a being inside of us. And so we're commanded to honor. So when we say honor all men, honor the king, this goes a long ways. Uh, our presidency, all, all these people, these people that we think that are not honorable. The Bible says we're to honor everyone. However, respect is something that's earned, and so that is correct. Those are two different things. They work hand in hand, but are two different subjects. I'm going to read the... When, when I go into the Bible, I love to go into the Strong's Concordance. It's available for everybody if you don't have one. It's a big, big, thick book where you can do it online. And look up word for word what the Greek meaning is of some of these words. And so the word for honor is a simple, simple word. And it's spelled, I don't know how to pronounce the Greek words, uh, but it's T, letter E, E, dash M, E, E, which means time. So in the Greek when you hear the word time, they think of honor. So, if you're honoring somebody, it's as simple as having time for somebody. How many conversations do we have where we have no time for that person? That's the, sub, that's the opposite of honor. It's dishonor. When they think of honoring somebody, it's taking time for somebody. So. We could continue in that subject of what the definition is for a long time. What is my closing time here? Eight, nine? Ten after eight, okay. And so we're going to have to keep, the, keep things rolling here. And I'm going to cover a lot of things rather quickly. For the simple fact, I'd like to get this out to you. And have your mind, my, my goal tonight is to have our Heavenly Father honored and glorified. But number two is to have your minds churning tonight to where you'll go home and dig into the Word of God and study it for yourselves. Because I will not cover its entirety tonight so the so the word honor is the definition is time there's and off of that we build uh, verses where scripture says we're supposed to esteem those have authority over us esteem those in the church that our church leaders esteem and so it, it all narrows down to that word honor we could look at uh, let's just jump forward because I know I'm not going to have enough of time uh, one question I'm going to ask before we go into some practical definitions and illustrations of honor is this, because later on this evening, if we have time, Lord willing, we're going to go into the subject of the, the rewards of honoring. 
And so, therefore, I have to cover a few of these questions, and I want us to be thinking these things as we progress through the evening. In honoring, when you honor someone, who are you benefiting? Yourself or the other person? Don't answer the question. That one I don't want you to answer. I want you to listen to, to get the answer as we go throughout the evening. In, honor, in honoring, who are you benefiting? Yourself or the person you're honoring? Then I had some more questions, but we'll skip over those. So let's look at how do we honor each other. I'm going to get this. I'm going to try to get this as practical as we can in our everyday life. What are our areas that we honor each other? How can we show honor to our fellow believers and or to those that are not believers as we meet them day to day in the workforce? How do we honor? Number one, speaking. Okay, we speak honor. Do we understand that the words we speak, different message, different subject, but all the words we speak, whether good or evil, have influence in the spiritual realm to where we give authority to the spiritual realm. So if we speak dishonor, instantly speak negative, and we're speaking things that have a tendency and can hinder someone's walk of life. So speaking is very important. How are other areas that we can show honor? in actions. So here's a simple illustration. When I walk into the, to the grocery store I don't, or, or some store, oftentimes I try to get there first and then I want to open the door for somebody. You know what I just did? I showed them that they have value. They have, I'm honoring them. I'm showing them, hey, I have, I have time for you. Uh, you first. And most times you have, hey, thank you. What did that do? What does it do when somebody does it for you? Bring some kind of feeling into you like, you know what? They open the door for me. There's some kind of appreciation in this when you do that. Simple illustration. There's many other things we can do in life to show that we honor somebody. Doesn't mean that we are okay with maybe the lifestyle they're living. We're not agreeing with that. But I honor them because they have a soul. And our Heavenly Father says it's as well that none should perish, but that all should have eternal life. And so when we honor them, we bring value to them. And it has the potential of bringing them out saying, who are you? Why do you speak so nicely of me? Why do you speak so kindly of me? You don't even know what I'm involved with. And so honoring is, 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 is broad enough to just show kindness, even to those that are not honorable. So words and actions. Very familiar with those. Let me go to one that no one knows about, and that's our thoughts. How honoring are we with our thoughts amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ, let alone the world? Sorry, I'm just going to speak blunt tonight. I have to move rather fast, and so I'm not going to be doing any tiptoeing. But what are our thoughts? Do we have honorable thoughts about each other? Do we have honorable thoughts about those that we meet every day? Do you know that each of you men are called to be leaders in some way, shape, or form at home, maybe abroad? For sure, if you're married, you're a leader of your home, and it's all a position of honor. But do you know that some of the greatest, if we could only, if our churches could only get a hold of this is going to maybe shock your order. I may have some flack for this. I apologize in advance. But 
if we would be able to get a hold of these drug lords and some of these powerful men in the secular side of the world that are not believers in Christ and would be able to spin them around to be leaders in our churches, how powerful they would be. They are called to be leaders, don't know where to take it, don't know what to do with it. And so they go into those kinds of things. And so all of us are leaders, are born to be leaders of some kind, if nothing else, in your home. And so when you meet one of those guys, what do we think? Do you know most times they can pick up what you're thinking? Before you say a word or even do an action. And so our thoughts are very important in this subject of honor. So speaking, actions, and our thoughts. So you may say, wow, I have a long ways to go. I have no idea where I'm going. Practice, practice honoring people. Say, what the world? Our gifts that we inherit from our Heavenly Father, the spiritual gifts that we inherit, do they come naturally or do we have to water them and do we have to be active in them? We have to be active in them. Same way with honor. Try it next. Try it tomorrow. And see what takes place in your life and in the life of the next person. Practice showing honor. May I suggest you do it at home first? Because that's where a lot of things take place anywhere. That's the people we're closest to is in our home life. Can we honor our children? Can we honor our parents? Can we honor those in our own household? From the church, from the, from the home to the church, from the church to the world. It just always flows that way. All honor, let me make this very clear, must also come from your heart. As you practice it, as you get involved in it, after you are doing it for a while, it will come naturally. And you're going to love, you're going to look for, and you're going to desire to show that honor. It's just going to flow from you. But you have to, go ahead. Very close. Let's start studying respect. How we respect one another. Mm-hmm. How we hold them up in our life. How we respect. That is like the forerunner of, uh, of honor, or is honor like the backbone of respect? The backbone? I would say honor is the backbone of respect. Because first of all, again, we're commanded to honor, and then after that comes respect. So I can honor you, and I also have respect for you because I know you and I can, I can communicate with you. So my respect builds off of that honor would be, my, would be my definition of it. Okay? Good questions. All honor must come from the heart. It is 7.30 already. There's no way. Okay. How do we honor our Lord and Savior? You know, it's important to honor Him as well. And so, again, with those things, it's the time. What for time do we spend with, with our Heavenly Father? Our talents, do we use them? Do we, do we activate those things that are in us, or are we burying our talents? With our body, with our heart, integrity, worship, words, and actions. True honor comes from the heart. I'm going to read a few verses here, Matthew, 8, Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines, the commandments of men. Reading it in a different translation. No, it wasn't the first part there. Never mind. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So that verifies the fact that our hearts have to be in tune as well. It has to come from the inside of us. Sure, we're going to practice it. You're going to want to do it. 
but after it, it's going to come from you, and it's, it's, it's going to be a habit of your life is to honor people, and it's going to flow out of you. It has to be from your, from your heart, and we hopefully will cover some more of that later on. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to read this. Okay. Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draweth near with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Woe unto them that seek to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeketh us, and who knoweth us? Surely your turning of things upside, upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it, He made me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, He had no understanding? So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it Stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whosoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, for you who believe but for those who do not. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. I'd love to... I just want you to go home and take these verses home and study them because I'm not going to have time to, to dig into them deeply. But I'm going to continue reading here for a little bit. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies. Proclaiming the excellencies would be a definition of honoring those things that we have been called into. And I will leave that at that. I'd, I'd love to go on, but study First Peter 2 in, in that uh, concept. We're going to move on to the rewards of honor. Second John 1, verse 8. Go have water. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I need to bring the reward situation in because so many times we are given all these commands from Scripture. And we get into the mode of doing. And it's okay to do, but we have to understand also that in the doing, when, when God asks us to do something, there's usually a reward. How many of us would go through life if there'd be no reward? How many of us as younger people, as children, 
remember going to our dad and saying, Dad, I'd like to have this. And he'd say, well, you know what? I see an area in your life. I'd like for you to accomplish this. I'd like for your grades in school to go from uh, D's and E's to at least B's and C's. And then we'll go fishing together. Or then we'll go do something. I see some grins. And so we, are, we, we have been given goals. How much more our Heavenly Father, when he lays these things out ahead of, uh, ahead of us in, the, in his word and says, I would like for you to honor me. I would like for you to do this. I'd like for you to do that. Don't you think he rewards us? Not just in the heavenlies, but even in today's life. He wants to reward us for the things that we do. However, again, the reason for doing is what? Is it for those rewards or is it because we are in love with our heavenly father? Are we trying to please him? Or are we trying to walk with him in faith and allowing that to please him? And so these are questions that I have and I'd like to have conversation about, but we're not going to tonight. We can maybe later on or sometime later. Uh, but to have those conversations. But here in 2 John 1, 8, he says, Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. If there's a full reward, there's a partial reward, and there's a no reward scenario. There has to be. Because he gives us rewards. But if we don't follow through with something, then it may be a no reward or a partial reward. For wherefore we labor, that, we, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, just to verify that there are our rewards. Some of them are afterwards, and some of them are, are now. Proverbs 11.31, Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed, rewarded, reimbursed, made payment to in the earth, much more, the wicked and the sinner. Now I'm going to just fast forward again into a few chapters or a few stories that we could look, look at. Let's look at the children of Israel. I love, I love, I love the story of the children of Israel, even though it burdens me how long they had to walk around in the wilderness before they entered Canaan. Numbers 13 and 14, go home and read it if you will. But we know the story well. How they got to Egypt. From Egypt, the, king, the, the kings passed, passed away. There was new kings, and after a bit, the children of Israel became slaves. They were led out of the wilderness. They were led out of Egypt, across the Red Sea into the wilderness by Moses. We're not going to look at that story long, but what I'd like to look at is this journey, if I would show you the journey on the map, was not to be that long, but they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Through that first 40 years, I should say, they made some mistakes. Moses made some mistakes, some mistakes that were not so honorable. The first group of people that actually came out of Egypt did not get to see Canaan, but their children, because of the sin that they continued to commit. Moses, the poor guy, led these people and led these people 
and led these people. God said, I'm going to destroy them. Moses pled to save their lives. After the first group was destroyed and the second ones, the children were coming along to go into Canaan as they entered, and I'm skipping a lot of info there, but as they get getting ready to go into Canaan, God said to Moses, you have to come with me to the top of this mountain. And Moses only got to see it and not to experience it. Why? He struck the rock instead of speaking to it. First time it worked. Why not the second time? Our mindsets. I don't know. Moses must have been frustrated. But he was leading a group of people that would just rebel. And he made that simple mistake. Does that mean Moses does not get to see his heavenly father in heaven? No, but he got a partial reward. He got to see Canaan, but not to experience it. That's one example. And I'd love to, to go into that in a little more depth, but we don't have, we don't have time. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. This is getting a little closer to home now. This is now in what we would call the New Testament. It came to pass, Luke 5, 17, on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and, and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. A very important word that we don't recognize in Scripture is that last word, them. This is the account where Jesus had healed a man, and he said, don't tell anybody. But the guy went out and continued to spread the news. Jesus pulled away, wanted to go to, to, to recuperate. Crowds continued to, to, to follow him, come to him. And he sat there and started teaching. The power of the Lord was there, was present to heal them. We're going to turn to this scripture, otherwise I'm, I'll botch things up here. Uh, and behold, a man brought in a bed, and behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him and to lay him before him, and they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude. So there was lots of people there that day. And the presence of the Lord was there to heal them, meaning all of them, or whoever was sick or whoever needed healing. And they could not find a way to get there because of so many people. But they went up onto the housetop and, and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst of Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And of course, the scribes and Pharisees start talking and start Actually, hold on, not talking. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying. So they were reasoning. They were thinking, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered, said them, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether is it easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say rise up and walk? 
but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose and went. We see a few things here. Their thoughts, their thoughts kept them from being healed that day. But the men that took this man on the couch went up on the roof. They had, they had more than just faith. They had honor. They knew they, there was no, no reasoning in, amongst them saying, we know this guy can be healed. Dropped him through the roof. He was healed. But because of their thoughts, their reasoning within themselves, he was not able to perform the miracles. And keep that thought in your, in your, with, you, with you here for a little bit. Uh, we're going to move on to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and they began hearing him. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Josie, and Judah, and Simon, and are his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. What do we see before I continue to read? It was anything but honor. They already had this man, Jesus, pinned because he was only a carpenter's son. His brothers and sisters were there with them. What the world? What does he think he's doing? I can just imagine our everyday language. huh? He doesn't have it in him. He doesn't know what he's doing. These are just things that we, we would maybe hear among us. He has no value. As soon as those things are spoken or even thought, look what Jesus said. A prophet is not with honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. This I know was Jesus, but I want to break this. I want to make sure that we're not just thinking out there. I want us to continue to think in here. I don't know where all you are represented from, what church, what families. I don't know most of you. I don't know who you are. I recognize faces. But the instant these thoughts were in their heart, let's look at verse 5. And he could do no mighty work save he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. It doesn't say he didn't want to. He said he could not perform the miracles because of their thoughts. Because of their thoughts of saying, you know what? This man has no worth. And when we take worth out of somebody, the power leaves. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages teaching. Jesus wanted to heal them. He wanted to do mighty work there. But because of their unbelief, because of no honor, 
the words they spoke, the words they thought, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this, aren't his brothers and sisters here with us? They are just carpenters. And Jesus could do no work there because of that. It makes, those things make for a no reward, if you will. I have like six other pages of notes on that subject of Jesus not being able to perform miracles. We're going to go into the next subject, which I have to go to in order for us to understand just the thing of honoring how it works and how it flows. So the next portion of this would be how honor flows. Did you know honor needs to flow from us? Honor is valuing again. And so let's look at this next part. I asked the question earlier, is honor about you or the person you're honoring? What is the reward and who gets the reward? Luke thirteen thirty five. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. In other words, you will not see me again until you honor those I send in my name. Is what he is trying to bring out to us. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spoken times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and beholding all things by the word of his power, and, by, and when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Bear in mind, Jesus was speaking again to the people in the New Testament. We're going to, and I'd love to break down a few of these verses, but I read them. Again, go home and study them. Let's, do, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. If you have your Bibles, turn there if you will. This is a, a, a verse that came to me, came alive in me when I looked at it at this angle. When I started reading, and when I start reading the, the scriptures anymore, I... When it comes to Jesus and interacting with people, and when he starts talking, I start understanding one thing, and that is many times there's honor, and, and the, the good is flowing out of Jesus, of course, but the honoring part that he did, you can see it in, in, in many different scenarios. Let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 through 42. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones with a cup of water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Why this verse? I've often looked at this verse saying, what is this all talking about? And we have many Bible studies and discussions and, and readings and try to figure out exactly what this is talking about. And so I may take this out of context a little bit, and I may not. 
However, there's, this came alive to me when I started reading it in this way. He that honoreth you, honoreth me. He that honoreth me, honoreth him that sent me. He that honoreth a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that honoreth a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever honoreth one of these little ones with only, with a cup of cold water only, in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall no wise lose his reward. And a light switch came on. And I went, oh my word. I believe, I strongly believe. He's speaking about honor in this verse. Could be wrong. But I started looking at it in that way and it made sense. He that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. He that honoreth me, honoreth him that sent me. We were talking about honor. Honor is time. And so when you receive somebody, you have time for them. So here I am receiving Jesus. And when I do that, when I honor him with my faith, with my trust, it honors him. When Jesus receives honor, you know what he does with it? He passes it on to the Father. When the Father has it, do you know what he does with it? returns it back to you. This is how honor flows. So let's do it in reverse. Let's say we bring dishonor. Dishonor. It can't go to the Father, so what does it do? It comes back to us regardless because it has nowhere else to go. We're the ones that are speaking the negative things. But when we speak honor, it goes from us I used to try to figure out when these, when these preachers back in the day would say, when you go up and thank them for the message, they say, well, we, we just thank the Lord. We just, and I used to say, why do you say that? You're the one that preached. I wouldn't say it, but I'd think those things. Now it makes sense. Because if I want to receive the honor and keep it to myself, what does that do? It doesn't have its work. It can't fulfill what it's supposed to do. And so these ministers were saying, we give honor to God. Well, when that takes place, it goes up to Jesus and from Jesus to our Heavenly Father and He returns it to us. Now you can receive the full reward. And so without releasing that, and so in our culture, there's, there's many times that we, we often, we, I heard this from many times, don't lift that guy too high. And, and, and we would shut things down that represented honor, but there's a difference between honoring somebody and worshiping somebody, okay? There's a difference. It's a fine line. I get it. But we have to be so careful that when we bring honor to someone, that this man knows how to receive honor and he passes it on. But if I'm going to hear to worship, you know, I've, heard, I've heard comments like this. If that preacher ever leaves this church, this church will fall apart. We are lifting those people too high. We're not honoring them. I am now depending, my, my life is dependent on them. That's not honor. Honoring is saying, I see what's in you. I love it, keep it up. I love when you preach the word. I love when you, and we're, we're building him up, but not lifting him up on a pedestal. 
However, Scripture also says to esteem those that bring the word. And we have to do that. And it says bring double honor to those that lead. And so we have to be careful as individuals that we're giving honor and not worshiping. We're giving honor, but not setting them up to fall. Because when we do, the falling does happen. It's usually just a matter of time. Okay? And so I speak those things carefully, but yet I want to be, be clear enough with it. Honor is important, but let's not worship people. Worship belongs to God. Let's honor the things that are inside the person that are coming out. Let's honor them for being who they are, but to not set them up to fall. Yes. Who did he honor? Well, I probably figure you have an answer for us, so why don't we learn from you for a little bit? Absolutely. And so there it was. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's a good point. I love it, Carl. We had conversation before this service here, and so uh, I know Carl very, uh, I'm getting to know him better and better as we continue through life, and so I love it. He was about his father's business. So let's make this personal. Whose business are we about? <laughs> All this comes back down to it is simple. It's about our everyday life, but yet we make it difficult. And so Jesus was about his father's business is exactly right. And I figured maybe that's where you were going, but I didn't want to. Uh... To open my mouth and insert foot, if you will. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go into another chapter here. There is. I want us to understand how honor flows. And I lost. I was jumping over too many of them here. We're going to go to 1 Samuel. Chapter 1. A very familiar story. And I know I jumped through a lot of my notes. This was, I'm covering three messages within an hour here. And so there's a lot of things I did not, did not bring to you. But I'm trusting you're going to go home and study this subject on your own. If you need material, talk to me afterwards. Uh, I will direct you in. Some good study helps if, 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 if you will. This is the occasion of Hannah and her desire to have a child. If I would take this into our everyday life and be in that time and, and talk like we do today when this occasion happened, there was two wives in that home. Hannah was not able to bear a child for her husband. Elkanah. So I can imagine the first wife that was having children for him kept on taunting her. I, can, I just know how humans, how we as humans do. But I can imagine she kept on taunting Hannah saying, I'm the one that's giving the children to Elkanah. 
There's no way that you, you're barren. And I just imagine there was a tormenting going on day in and day out. And Hannah's heart got heavy. She went to the temple to pray. At nine o'clock in the morning, roughly. We know that Eli was... We know that Eli was the priest at that time, right? How was Eli's life at this moment? Can anybody tell me? There was issues in the house of God. They were not good. His boys were supposed to be taking care of all the things that needed taken care of in the temple. And there was, there was a list of ways that it was supposed to be done in the Old Testament to have a foretaste and a shadow of today. And they were doing anything but what they were supposed to. They were being very disobedient. Eli did what? Nothing. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. Eli had received instructions, but he didn't even respond to those instructions by God. So here comes this, this lady, and she's at 9 o'clock in the morning praying for a son. All she wants is a son. You ever watch somebody read books and their mouths are going and nothing's coming out of it? And I chuckle when I see that, because when I read, my mouth doesn't go. I just read. But her mouth was going. And Eli gets up in... I don't know, was he angry? But I can probably feel a little bit of uh, a frustration there. And he goes up to her and says, what are you, drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? I can speak. There's none of my church folks here. So if I'd say that to one of my church folks, they'd probably say, see you, bye. You actually have the nerve to talk like this to me? And I was here praying. Actually, I told my church that too, I believe. But I mentioned the thing of, in today's world, that wouldn't fly. Okay? Wouldn't fly. What was Hannah's response? Can someone tell you? Tell me. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. We'll get there. I think we will get there. I got five minutes or 10 minutes, 15. Okay, we got some time. So Hannah was, we're going to go back to what I was at. Hannah was, her mouth was moving. No, she thought, he thought she was drunk. That's correct. And she says what to him? When he accused her, what was her words? If you give me a male. Even, be, even before that, there was another word she said. She said, nay, my Lord. Nay, my Lord. What was she doing to him? She was still honoring him because she knew that he had the authority in the house of God, even though she knew that he was not in his place. She honored him and said, Nay, my Lord, but I have a request, and my request is that I would have a son. Now, your question is, how can we go? How, in, how did he have that authority? Does God not work through, through good and evil? But he did this so that his name would be honored and glorified. But to Eli's response 
to her was it's going to take place. And that puzzled me for a while too until I continued to read of how honor flows and is supposed to flow among us. She left. And next year, she couldn't go to the temple the following year. Forgive, forgive me if I'm getting the, the dates wrong. But when she came back, she gave her son, Samuel, Samuel to the temple and went home without him a couple years later. Time frame. I'm, just, I'm skimming over a bunch of things. What happened in this scenario? We see honor went from, went from a woman who in our eyes had all the right in the world to walk up, stump out, upset, and walk away. If that would have taken place, what would have happened to the temple? We say, yeah, God would have done something different. He would have. He would have figured something out, but his desire was exactly what took place. Here we have Hannah now releasing her son to take over the temple. There was a full reward in this place from Hannah's first request to her response to her priest that was way out of place. Why did Eli need Samuel? Why did Eli need Samuel? Talk to us. Because God did not speak to Samuel, to Eli, because he did not make his son behave. When God spoke to Samuel, what did Eli say to Samuel in the morning? My son, tell me every word. <laughs> and he was afraid to speak. Why did he want every word? The message was for him, not Samuel. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I wasn't even going to go there tonight because of, because of lack of time, but you're exactly right. Eli could no longer hear from heaven because of his sin. And here comes this little child to take his place. So many, we could, we could, we could hash around on that all evening to say, well, God would have taken a different, a different route. But my point is this. Through Hannah, if she would have walked out, number one, probably never had a child. And then there would have been more issues in the house of God. I don't know what would have taken, I don't know what God would have done. We know he's, um, he's, he's all-knowing and omnipotent and, and he makes things go the way he wants them to go. I get that. But sometimes we as human beings, we walk the other way and then God has to use someone else. So she was able to then see her son prosper, be a priest, a man after God's own heart and, and to just lead the people. There is a scenario of a 100% full reward. And so it behooves me to say this. Next time you have a trial coming your way, and I can say that. Next time you have a trial coming your way, and you say, I'm packing bags and leaving, think of this story. For the simple fact, there's a few things that I skimmed over when we were talking about honor. But when God wants to purify somebody, how is he gonna do it? Sorry, friends, but you have to. You have to walk through a fire in order to be purified. I can say it. We just walked through some struggles in the last year that we literally sat in our living room crying, saying, and I made 
I save people. I tell people when you say to God, what next? What do you have next, God? If you say that, be ready. Because he's going to say, here's the next one. Why don't you just swallow this one right away? I need to purify you. I had a choice to make that summer. And that choice was either to run or stay. How did God honor Anna? By giving her, her a child. I think she did. <laughs> she, it didn't stop there. Yes, that's correct. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, yes. And so, and so just think twice before we make decisions in life. Some of you get men with white hair, have walked through much more than I did, but I know what we walked through. And I had a decision to make. We actually debated those decisions. Shame on us. Shame on me. But after we were done walking through them, we came back from our sabbatical. And I remember that first Sunday walking into church to be there for church service. We, we were missing for six months straight. We were there for two Sundays just to, just to take care of some announcements that needed to be made. But I remember coming back to, the, to church. And as the church started singing, they had no idea. They were picking these quote-unquote children's songs, worship songs. God is so good. He's so good to me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Those are songs that were being sung as we walked back into the church house. What, had the, what does this have to do with honor? If I would have walked away and not honored my Lord through all this, I don't know where I'd be today. I really don't. But I stood on that scale, and it would flip-flop. There was times I'd say, Lord, I'm running. And something would happen that I couldn't run. And there I was, standing in the balance. And I'm thankful today that I understand now. I can look back now and understand, sort of, <laughs> as time unfolds, of why he allowed us to go through what we had to go through. Honor, again, is not just honoring each other, but also our Lord. That was, that was the point of, of talking about us. When he asks something of us, let's not shut it down. When something comes our way, you can run. But look at the, look at the benefits Hannah had. There's many other stories that I could go to Look at King David. David, a man after God's own heart, the things he walked through. He would have been able to slay Saul. His men said, here's your chance. Take his life. You're the next king. David could have even walked up and cut his shirt tail off, if you will, and walked away. What was David's response to his men? God has put him in. How can I take his life? My words. And he walked away, waited till they walked outside the cave, and then walked out and said, Saul, I could have taken you. But you know what? He even repented of that. He said, how did I even dare do such a thing to a man that was anointed by God? Now we'd be going into the next subject of honoring our leaders, be it in the home, be it in the church, be it civil, be it our government.
there's a little harder subjects to teach. <laughs> Louis, do you want to help me? <laughs> Those are some very touchy subjects, but I believe firmly from what I just skimmed over tonight, and there's many more verses to be read. And I'm going to cover it because I have five minutes, and then you may chase me out. But how often do we as Christians find ourselves talking negative about our government? The more I hear it, the more my skin crawls. And I started diverting those subjects, those conversations, because I can't take it anymore. You say he's an ungodly man. Yes, I know. But are we praying about him or are we talking about him? Do you understand that God uses evil men to fulfill his timing and his purpose for a President Biden? Do I agree with him? Absolutely not. Do I respect him? No. But I do honor him. And I honor his authority. And I will abide by his authority until it comes against the Word of God. And there's many things right now that are coming real close to being against the Word of God, accepting all this homosexuality, uh, gender switching, why they have names, forgive me, all this immorality. There may come a time they'll say you have to accept it in your church, and that's where we're going to have to stand to say, no, we don't have to, according to God's Word. Those are areas that we don't respect, we don't honor. But him fulfilling his role, where he's... Why else do you think that Trump lost in the last elections? If it was meant to be Trump, God would have allowed it to be Trump. But he wanted to send a message to the Americans. I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. He wanted to send a message to us. Are we on our knees praying for our government? Are we honoring them? When we hear somebody else bashing and, and, and saying all kinds of evil things, what do we do? Laugh about it? Go along with it? Or do we speak up? That's for each one of us to. That's for each one of us to answer. Honoring. I forgot to say this in the beginning of the message. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. There's a reason. <laughs> the subject of honor. I used to say this when I started teaching this, and then I had a man from work, not at work, not an employee, but a customer that walked in. He knows me so half, and I know him so half, and we challenge each other with the word. And he goes, Anthony, where are you reading the Bible right now? I said, uh, he goes, don't tell me. He said, is it Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? I said, none, but all. I'm studying the subject of honor, something that has been lost in the American people. And he goes, no, it hasn't been lost. He said, but because of, and this is our fault as well, we have to, each of us, take responsibility. But because of us listening to the news, all the negative things that are out there, we have filled ourselves with negative. And when there's negative in us, how can the positive ever be seen? And he said, we haven't lost it. We just need to reactivate it. Because it's in us. Therefore, to answer your question, we have to. I mean, we have technology. We have you don't have to have a television and a radio anymore. You can find it on your cell phone. If you sign up for the news, it'll flash across your screen whenever there's something new if you want. And I believe 
that is a distraction that is meant to be from the enemy. Technology is good. I study my Bible on technology. I love the quickness that I can have things, that I can look things up and see things and, and understand, but it can also be used in the negative. And that's what's happening. We as Christians, I believe, got distracted. I'm just speaking blunt again. We got so distracted and caught up in the political things. Am I against voting? Am I against all those things? That's for each one of you to figure out. I don't know where you all stand in that. But for us to be so involved in the world and adapting to the things that are being said and, and happening, we get so distracted that we don't know how to bring honor anymore because we're caught up. We're caught up in the negative. We're caught up in the negative. Ooh. Can we honor somebody if we don't love them? Are you supposed to honor them? <laughs> He's still a human being, right? So can we honor the ones that are not honorable? Is the question I had in there that I, gl that I glazed over. Can we, should we, are we supposed to honor those that we would say are not honorable? Honor all men. I can't get away from it. And love all men. Absolutely. And so, so if you don't... That's exactly right. <laughs> I love it. And so there again, it has to come from the heart and it has to start here. Have to love them, have to honor them, have to honor them, have to love them. But do I love what they did? Do I honor what they're doing? It is. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> we don't have time. But most of these things, Louis, happen, sorry, I'm not to say this, in the house of God. That's why it's so important for us to do it in our families, in the house of God, so that it can flow. If we're going to try to honor them and have no honor among us, it ain't going to flow. Now it's coming from the head and not from the heart. Two different things. Same with knowledge and wisdom, different subject. But in order to have those things, you, so, so in, order to have, in order to have wisdom, we all have knowledge, but in order to have wisdom, it has to come to the heart. To, in order for it to come to the heart is for you to walk through life and experience the roughness of life. gives you wisdom on how to apply it. Same way with honor. If I don't know how to apply it to my own, in my own heart, to first of all, to my heavenly Father, to the family, to the church, then it doesn't flow out there. If I make it flow out there, it doesn't flow. It's just an action. Anthony. Yes. That's correct. We need to shine. Absolutely. We could continue talking about that verse for a while, too. We'll stop. I think that was the second bell, right? I'm supposed to be done. It's, it's been good. It's been good. 
I don't know if it made any sense to you all or not. I know I glazed over a lot of things. Like I said, those were three, three, three messages at church condensed into one hour. I didn't cover near everything. But I hope you can take this home and process it. And then do as the uh, Bereans were supposed to do, go home and figure it out. To go home and study it out, make sure, challenge you. And if you have any challenges for me, I receive it too. So thank you.